Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I'm excited to talk to you about practical ways to start discipling others. In our last episode, we talked about the power of leading an outward-focused life, and one of the great ways to do that, in addition to taking up the cause of the weak and the vulnerable, is to begin discipling and teaching others in living the Christian life. I know a lot of people listening to this podcast have had a burden for younger women in their lives, and mentoring really has become a popular word in a lot of Christian circles, but I think sometimes we have the wrong idea of what true godly mentoring really is. Now, we've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, but I want to do a quick review on the biblical approach to mentoring just to give you some context, and then we'll go into the practical ways that you can begin reaching out to others that God has placed in your life right now today. Mentoring may bring up images in your mind of meeting someone for a latte and being a life coach or a big sister who passes along some friendly advice. But we need to realize that we are fighting for souls. And especially if you have a heart for young women today, they are living in the midst of a battle. And really the amount of attack on their lives, the amount of perversion they're being exposed to, the amount of temptation they're facing, they need more than just some buddy-buddy advice. They need the truth that sets free. They need Jesus Christ. So if you have a burden for younger women in your life, that burden is not there by accident. It's a burden straight from the heart of God. He loves this generation and he desires to work through you and through me to reach them with the truth that can change their lives for eternity. Now, you're probably familiar with the command in scripture that older women are to teach the younger women. And it's easy to think, well, I'm not yet an older woman, but really anyone who has someone younger than them can be an example of living a Christian life, living a Christ-centered life. And in the context of this verse, teaching doesn't necessarily mean standing up in front of a group with a microphone. It means to lead by example. So you're really never too young or you're really never too old to lead by example. Let's look at some practical ways that you can begin to disciple and invest truth into the lives of others in your life, especially younger women. And this can apply whether you're 15 and you have a burden for a 13 year old or you're in your older years and you have a burden for young moms in your church or anything in between. Some of the practical keys that I've learned over the past 20 plus years in ministry have been learned the hard way. And if we go to scripture and we don't just go to the trends and what's popular in the culture today, we can avoid a lot of mistakes. And and some of the things that I wish I would have known about mentoring and truly godly discipleship are things that I want to share with you today. The first is to be ready for battle. When we say yes to the call of God to disciple others or to reach out to younger women or to lead by example, we are are entering a battleground. To be effective at discipleship, we need to understand the battle over the other person's life as well as the spiritual battle that we are engaged in. If you go into a teaching or discipleship relationship expecting just a fun, easy experience, you're likely going to be knocked off your feet before you even start. But if you go in ready for battle and armed with the spiritual weapons that God has given you, you'll have the strength to be more than a conqueror no matter how challenging the work might be. 
Now, you may not feel like you have a significant ministry right now, but if you're attempting to reach even one young woman with the hope and the power of Jesus Christ, the enemy does not like what you're doing and he will go out of his way to discourage you before you even begin. One thing that I have learned is to be on my guard against discouragement because it often hits either right before or right after I've been speaking truth into someone's life or encouraging someone or really investing spiritually into someone, usually I'll be hit afterwards with the feeling like, oh, that was terrible. I can't believe I said this. I did everything wrong. And I've learned to recognize that that is simply discouragement from the enemy. If you're yielded to God, if you've allowed him to work through you, even if you don't do everything perfect, it's really God and his truth that can change a life, not you doing everything perfect. So tune out that voice of discouragement and say, you know, Satan, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. That voice is not coming from God. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. Another thing that has been so helpful for me before I even start any kind of ministry or discussion or talk about truth or encouragement to anyone, I take a minute to resist the enemy's attacks because so often when Satan is harassing those kinds of of conversations or ministry opportunities, the person you're speaking to uh, can't really hear you. But when you take a minute to resist Satan's involvement, or influence, a lot of times it will just break down those barriers and they're able to actually hear the words of truth in a life-changing way. So be ready for battle and learn how to resist the enemy, especially resist that discouragement and that despair that comes over you when you're engaging in any kind of ministry. Second of all, check your motives. If you are getting into ministry or discipleship or or any type of um, gospel sharing type of ministry, but you're doing it for your own personal fulfillment, it's going to really backfire on you because, again, this is a battle. And it's really easy to get into ministry for the wrong reasons. You might envision receiving applause for others, gaining a sense of personal fulfillment. But if you're involved in ministry for your own happiness, you're going to grow weary and burned out the moment that things become challenging. There are a lot of rewards that come from being in ministry, but there are many difficulties. When we choose ministry, we choose a harder road. And Amy Carmichael wrote, if I put my own happiness and well-being before the work entrusted to me, if though I have this ministry and have received much mercy, I faint, then I know nothing of Calvary love. So convicting and challenging. I can say from personal experience that even what may look like exciting ministry work, like writing books and speaking, is actually not as glamorous and fun as it sounds. It is a battle from start to finish. And there are a lot of incredible pressures, attacks, and inconveniences that come with the package. So I have had to learn how to check my motives and say, I am not in this for myself. I am in this for the glory of God. And even if it's uncomfortable and inconvenient and difficult, I'm going to stay the course by his grace. The third practical that I want to share with you is to get in step with God's spirit. One of the best statements I ever read on how to prepare a message. So if you are going to be sharing truth with someone or leading a Bible study group or speaking in any way about the gospel, C.T. Studd wrote these words, don't go into your study to prepare a sermon. That's nonsense. Go into your study and get before God and become so fiery that your tongue is like a burning coal and you have got to speak. 
That is so good. When you've spent time in the presence of God and you are so passionate and so filled with his spirit and that spiritual fire that comes from time in prayer and time in his word and time in his presence, and it's burning within you that you have to share the gospel, you have to share the hope that is in you, that's when you know your message is really going to be powerful. So think about that. If you've been given any kind of opportunity, don't worry as much about the practical preparation. That can be part of it, but make sure you've got that fire of God within your soul. And even if you don't feel completely prepared, that fire is going to come out and impact others for the glory of God. Here's a quote on how to have a lasting impact because so often we think that we have to turn to the bells and whistles of this world, as we've talked about before in other podcasts, to draw people to the gospel. But R.A. Torrey wrote this, preach any Christ but a crucified Christ and you will not draw men for long. Isn't that an interesting statement? Because it's the opposite of what we often think. We think if we preach a a crucified Christ, if we preach the seriousness of the gospel, we're going to scare people away. But actually, that crucified Christ is is the gospel that has power to change lives. And it's what people's souls are truly longing for. If you preach a comfortable, easy, shallow gospel, you may get a crowd at first, but you're not going to draw them for long or truly change their lives for eternity. Here's a a great quote from Gladys Aylward about how to truly become qualified for ministry because I think so many of us think, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not qualified for this. I don't know what to say. I'm not a good speaker, etc. But Gladys Aylward was one of the most effective ministries in all of Christian history, and this is what she wrote. I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done for China. I don't know who it was. It must have been a man, a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Perhaps he died. Perhaps he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Aylward and God said, well, she's willing. And that's so great. That's really what it takes to become qualified for ministry is a surrendered heart and a willing heart. Here's another great quote from Lilius Trotter on how to keep your focus on Christ, because as you're going about ministry, it's so easy to become distracted, to say the right things, but not truly be living it out. And living it out is what's going to have the biggest impact on those that you're influencing for the gospel, not just the words that you're speaking. And she wrote, it's easy to find out whether our lives are focused, and if so, where the focus lies. Where do our thoughts settle when consciousness comes back in the morning? Where do they swing back when the pressure is off during the day? Dare to have it out with God and ask him to show you whether or not all is focused on Christ and his glory. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. If you are confused about what kind of ministry you should be in and distracted by just different opportunities and not sure how to reach certain people, really it comes down to putting your soul's vision upon Jesus and everything will become so simple and it will become all about him, and he will guide and direct every step that you need to take. And another great quote, this is the last one from William Booth, how do you know if you're called? Some of us grapple with that question. Am I really called to preach the gospel? Am I really called to minister? Am I really called to be an example to others? Am I called to go into all the world and make disciples? This is what William Booth wrote. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. And then look Christ in the face whose mercy you profess to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstance in the march to publish his mercy to the world. 
I can just imagine William Booth preaching those words with such fire in his voice, and it's super convicting. Let's look at a few key ways that you can get started right now, whether you're discipling someone or leading a small group. First is to lay the right spiritual foundation. Wrestle in prayer for those souls before you even begin to invest in them with words. Oftentimes, prayer can open doors that the most uh, eloquent speeches could never open. Let God give you his burden for these souls that you're called to reach. Bind Satan's interference with the ministry that you're about to embark upon. Prepare your own heart. Make sure that God has all of you, that you've laid down your pride, that you've freshly surrendered your life to him, and that your ear is in tune with his spirit and that you realize you're working in cooperation with him. You're his vessel and only he can truly change lives. Secondly, ask point questions that can really open someone's heart. Like this, how is your relationship with God? What are your greatest struggles? Who are the biggest influencers in your life? Do your friends point you closer to Christ or distract you from him? If you ask those kinds of questions in a loving way and a, a way that shows that you truly care about those souls, you will be amazed at how they begin to open up to you and share deep things that are going on inside of them and open the door for you to speak truth into their lives. Now, when you're speaking truth, this is the third point, a great way to do it is by sharing your own story, not just necessarily preaching a sermon at them. That can be good for some things, but when you weave your own story in, they really can grasp it at a deeper level. Things like this, God changed my life when, or I learned how to surrender to God when, or one of my biggest struggles has been, God has given me victory when, or I have a passion to share truth with you because, and when you fill in the blanks there and share your own story, they begin to realize that these truths are real in your life. These aren't just things you're preaching at them. Another key truth is to explore God's word together. Don't leave the word of God out. Build everything around the word of God. Choose areas you feel directed by God to highlight, areas of scripture, or areas you know that the other person is really struggling with, and then explore scripture together. There is always an answer in the word of God for any problem that anyone could face. So don't just look to your own advice or the advice of trendy books. Go to the word of God and teach that other person to fall in love with the word of God because it's life and truth. Guide them in soul searching. Have them ask questions before God, such as, have I truly surrendered my life to Jesus Christ? Am I truly glorifying God in my daily conduct? Lead them in that soul searching process. A lot of us are afraid to challenge people to do that. And yet that's really where God can get a hold of their life and change them in an ongoing way. And then facilitate quietness is another one. Really remove distractions. You don't need to have a lot of noise and bells and whistles to preach the gospel or to be an example to someone. Help them learn how to get quiet and still before God. Show them what you do to uh, create a quiet environment before God when you're seeking him. And provide outreach opportunities. This is another great one where you really give them the opportunity to get outside themselves and share the love of Christ with others. It's amazing how that can do so much in a person's life when they have the opportunity to volunteer at a homeless ministry, visit a local prison, visit the elderly, etc. So sometimes facilitating opportunities for them to turn outward is very, very life-changing. Wherever God has you today and whoever he's brought into your sphere of influence, get before him, lay a foundation in prayer and say, Lord, what is the next step in reaching them? You may not feel qualified, but remember that he is qualified and he will honor you as you take those steps of obedience, even when they're not comfortable. One of my favorite verses is in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we will reap if we faint not. 
This is not an easy road to choose. When you choose to fight for the souls of others, there can be weariness and it can feel like you're not making a difference, but you are planting seeds that will bear eternal fruit if you're walking in cooperation with the Spirit of God. So don't give up and grow weary. By His grace, go the distance and take every one of those steps of obedience that He's placed in front of you to take. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know more about mentoring and discipling and training others, visit us at setapartgirl.com and we have an entire online course on mentoring and discipling other women and a lot of other resources as well. So check out what we have there and I know that God will lead you as you make yourself willing. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.